Welcome to the Fisher's Second Ward Podcast. This is a podcast to help members of the Fisher's Second Ward of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints get to know their neighbors in the ward. The ideas and thoughts that we share aren't necessarily a reflection of the official doctrines of the church. We just hope to strengthen our friendships and our faith by sharing our stories. Thanks for listening, and let me introduce you to a member of the ward. I'm geeking out on your setup here. And geeking out on my setup here is Brian Silverman. <laughs> <laughs> I love that I turned the microphone on right as you were you saying that. You didn't even just... give me a chance. <laughs> I didn't even get a cue. That is so awesome. <laughs> so, new member of the ward. How long have you been in the ward? This, as we're recording this, this is now December 3rd. I think it's been my fifth Sunday. Yay. Yeah. So, so welcome. So, we got you. you a calling already. Got a calling. We got you speaking and sacramenting. Yep. Fantastic. Check. We got you on the podcast. <laughs> Check. <laughs> Which is good, because um, life gets in the way sometimes. I don't get it these It certainly uh, does, yeah. <laughs> so... So the whole purpose of these podcasts is for us to get to know people in the ward, and um, you were foolish enough, I guess, I, to talk I to just, me. I just can't say no. <laughs> Maybe <laughs> that's, that's what it is. Problem. Sweet. Makes my job so much easier. So um, we're going to get to know you a little bit. I know you moved from someplace a lot warmer. A lot warmer. Quite a bit. Yeah. <laughs> where Fisher's is right now. Um, start. Let's start with, um, let's go a little bit further. Where'd you grow up? So I was born in Las Vegas, where, okay. where I came from. But we left when I was six and moved to a couple places in California, but eventually settled in the central coast in a small town called Paso Robles. Okay. Um, it's really hard to tell people where that is because it's it, it's not next to any of the major cities that most people know about in California. The closest is San Luis Obispo or okay. Santa Barbara, but usually it's either San Francisco or L.A., and it's just kind of right in between. Right. Really, really beautiful country. You know, it's uh, it was a really fun place to grow up. You know, before California became California. Yeah, California's a little bit yeah it got, it got different got now weird. than it was. It I grew weird. up in California as well, but I was uh, in San Jose. Yeah, and that's right. You're from further north. Yeah, yeah, it's so different now than it's it was. Very different. Yeah. And uh, how long were you there? How long, how long were you in California? So I was in California up until high school, and I left and moved to Phoenix, Arizona. I went. Okay. I moved to Phoenix to get it, and I I laughed because I went to the Universal Technical Institute. Which its call name is UTI, and if you're in medical, yeah, <laughs> I went to UTI, <laughs> and, um, okay. and I got a degree in HVAC, and so heating, ventilation, air conditioning. Okay, I was going to go work for the Longshoreman Union out in San Pedro and Long Beach, uh-huh. and work on refrigeration containers. That was my, that was my goal in life at 18, nice. and they went on strike the day I graduated. <laughs> Perfect for two years. Yeah. And so I ended up in Las Vegas working for a commercial air conditioning company. Okay, um, which was the worst job I've ever had. It's it's the desert, and you're up on a roof trying to oh, fix goodness. an air conditioning unit for an entire building. Yeah, um, that sounds like not fun. It was a learning experience. I bet. Yeah, yeah. Learning sun sunscreen is, is important. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, that's. Uh... So how long were you doing that? I did that for about a year. Um, gosh, I've been all over the place. So, and after that, I went to work in the service industry on Las Vegas Boulevard. And so I went and worked in, in Vegas proper, what most okay. people know, at the New York, New York Hotel and Casino. Okay. Uh, started as a busboy in a restaurant, worked my way all the way up where I, uh, I ended up becoming a server and eventually a bartender. Okay. Oh, yeah. Now, if you didn't listen to Brian's talk. Yeah. <laughs> You know that you were not a member of the church. No, at that um, point, no, it wasn't. So, um, what what 
knowledge or awareness did you have, have about the church or members of the church or did you have any at all? You know, I didn't grow up around a lot of members of the church. I played baseball with, in California with a kid who was a member of church. Um, and I just knew he couldn't hang on Sundays. Okay. Um, for the most part, not a whole lot of information. It wasn't until I moved to Las Vegas that I started to kind of get to know members of the church. And I really didn't meet members of the church until, you know, fast forward to, I think, 2012 was when I graduated with my undergrad because I went back to college. Okay. Um, and then I ended up in grad school and getting a doctorate in physical therapy degree. And okay. so I went through PT school with almost an entirely – so of the 28 of us that graduated, I think half of the class were members of the church. Wow. And you're in a cohort, so it was three years uh -huh. hanging Same out. Thing. Yeah, I did my research thesis over three years with – with you know my friend John, who's a member of the church, who you know he was in California, he would have come to my baptism. But I had yeah. a lot of people that would, you know, were kind of championing me on, and I joke with them because not one of them tried to like turn me. You know, wow. it was just this example of the life that they were living mm -hmm. and the things that they were doing. It's it so so nicely, you know. It wasn't like they were more special than anybody else for uh -huh. the most part, but they had something that I just, I thought looked so great. You know, there was purpose, there was work, there were families, there were, you know, and when you're, you know, struggling from relationship to relationship, mm -hmm. stability looks really nice and they all look yeah. stable. Yeah. So, and I'm just curious, I don't know where this is going to go, but, um, oh, you, said, yeah. <laughs> you said they, you didn't feel the pressure. Um, you didn't feel like they were trying to turn you or anything you know, like that. Did and you, that's... Looking back, do you wish that they had, or did you just kind of, was it kind of nice to have them just be themselves and then show you what what was possible? When I think about it now, I don't think it would have worked. I think that's... had I had received pressure from anyone, that might have been my, like, okay. Um, I think, if anything, it might have been just sort of, this was the way it was going to be to bring mm -hmm. me into the fold was just enough support from friends uh -huh. that set examples okay. and I could see that example. And so, you know, when I was investigating the church for like six months or so before I was baptized and I would just come, I would come with my wife because I wasn't going to let her go alone. Cause you guys were married. We were married at that point. Yeah. Okay. And I just, she never put any pressure on me and it just felt like such a welcoming, Hey, hang out, you yeah. know? ask a question. We're totally cool to read ask questions. I went to elders quorum. I think it was my first day at church. And I was like, Am I? I had to like leave my wife. She's like, okay, now you go with them. And I was like, I have to go somewhere else. <laughs> there, you know, there's classes. Your support system is gone. Yeah. And I was like, okay. And I sat there and it was when I, when I left and we, uh, we went and had dinner. She was like, well, what did you think? And I was like, it feels like a, you know, like a, like a relief group mm -hmm. for, for guys where we could sit around and we could talk to each other. And I was right. like, it felt much less like a indoctrinating thing and more of like, hey, how are you doing? Yeah. What do you think? How does this contribute to, you know, how our lives are going? And I found that really refreshing. And as I started to kind of catch more and more, I was astounded at just how normal it all seems. Yeah. And so I think for me, any pressure probably would have sent me the other way. Um, they just let me go. Yeah. That's like, interesting to me because I think – the culturally, um, we seem to think that our responsibility is to put pressure on people to join right. the church. And um, I did not know <laughs> the answer that you're going to give that oh, I wish they had tried harder. No, but, yeah. And, but I think that um, I can see how that's probably 
um, much more common than the the people who say, I wish my friends had been more aggressive. You know, I had seen it before too. Right before moving here, there was a gentleman who I went on a couple of, you know, sit downs with, with the missionaries and they were really, you know, they weren't on him in a pressure way, but it was like calling him every day. What are you doing? Let's do a lesson. Really like excited for him and hey, let's do this. And I could tell he wasn't ready to quit smoking. Uh-huh. He wasn't ready to give up some friends that he needed to stop hanging around with. And I sat and talked to him, which was nice from a place of somebody who was in a similar position of like, yeah. you know, you you got to be ready for this and don't don't put yourself in too quickly or and I'm sure this comes to like, you know, when you set unrealistic goals for yourself and you 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 hit yourself you put yourself in a position to fall a little too fast, right. you know, and he he really didn't come. I mean, he was baptized, and then I think he was gone in a couple of weeks. And right. so I would tell people that, you know, we really want to bring people in, but I think about it like I thought about the missionaries that were with me, where, gosh, you know, I wish the first two missionaries that hung out with me got the glory, uh-huh. you know, but they were a piece of it, you know, them spending time with me right. led to my baptism. Mm-hmm. And so maybe... Maybe we don't get to be everybody's like, yeah, I'm going to rush you into the font, but you set that you set that path and you continue to do what you do just by being who you are, right. and somebody gets there. And and the older I get, the more I realize it's the credit doesn't matter. No, it doesn't matter. My father-in-law, um, and I don't know the exact numbers of years, but he was. Um, LDS adjacent okay. <laughs> for, decade, <laughs> for 40 years. My mother-in-law joined the church, and it was 40-plus years after that that he finally joined the church. And um, he would not be um, uh, receptive. He wasn't receptive. In fact, Marcin and I were talking last night that uh, anytime topics uh, around the temple came up, he would excuse himself, and he just... And I don't know what the what the story was there, but Hmm. there were things that he just wasn't quite, that putting that pressure on people doesn't work. It almost forces them in the wrong direction. Yeah. Yeah. Some people, I guess there's probably someone out there that just needed a good, strong, like whipping into church, but I don't think it's the majority. (laughs) Right. I think, I think that's, uh, I think that's true. So you're in Las Vegas. You've decided to go to, uh, to Further your education. My so life not... is a mess. Yeah. When... <laughs> so you're not working on rooftops in the summertime. Yeah. And so service industry, which I I loved working in the service industry simply because you learn about people. Yes. You get to meet people every day and you get to figure out what types of people are and how to reach them and how to talk to them. And so I, I thought it was such a beneficial thing. And then I met a girl and uh, we we hit it off really well and she was going to a grad school at Harvard, and I wanted to be around her, so I moved to Boston. Nice. Um, and so I was living in uh, Somerville in Massachusetts. So how did you meet her? Uh, I met her through friends of friends. Okay. Yeah. And so is this Tara? If it's not, then it's not Tara. Okay. Yeah, we don't have to spend too much time <laughs> okay. there. But Tara was in Boston at one point. Okay. It's like we just missed each other by years. Um, but yeah, so. Boston, but Boston was where I figured I wanted to become a physical therapist. I started working there and got to there and then left and came back to Las Vegas and then went to college. Figured I was, I thought I was too old for college at 26 
And so that's when I decided. Six is ancient. Yeah, no, right? You know, <laughs> everything is so permanent when you're in your twenties. Yes. That's it. Like this is my entire life in the in these ten years, and nothing can change. So, did you still have family in Vegas? Is that why you kept going back? That's where that's where the most of them live. I have okay. a twin brother who lives in Seattle now. Okay, he makes jewelry. Nice. He makes good jewelry too. He's a good kid. Seattle's like a, a beautiful place. It really is. It's very very pretty. Yeah. Yeah. We get more rain here. Did you know that? I did not know. Yeah, that. apparently. So I've done all my Indiana research. Okay, that's important. Because I'm an Indiana nerd now. Because this was <laughs> you probably we, know more than I do. I've lived I, here for decades. I mean, I don't know, but we definitely did our homework before we decided to move here. And I just fell in love with Indiana, and I had to share all of it with Tara to get her on board because she wanted to go to the South. Okay. But then we had one hot, one last hot summer in Las Vegas, and she's like, "I want to go nowhere hot." <laughs> well, and I was like, "Well, we picked a good place." <laughs> yeah. So now it's and we love it. Yeah. Well, good. Yeah, um, yeah, but for the most part, our family is in Las Vegas. Okay, yeah, that's where everybody is. They're mad at us. Oh, I bet for leaving. Take we had a baby girl and took her away from them. And she's a cutie. She's really cute. Yeah, yeah. So you decided to be a physical therapist, and yep. Then I did it. You did it. I just did well, it. Congratulations! It's, it's seven years of school. I did it. And there were bets that I wouldn't. <laughs> And a little bit about me is if you tell me I can't do something, <laughs> oh, I'm going to do it. So we did it. Know. Yeah. That's and good to know about yourself because then yeah, you, you know, kind of see where your motivation comes from. From other people telling me I can't. Yeah. Which is, I don't know how healthy that is. You know, really it should come from within. The carrot should come from within. Should, um, but yeah. Um, one of my favorite scriptures is the natural man is an enemy to God. And I think that's just part of our natural man that we just... We're stubborn and we resist and we don't like being told what just to do. Angry children. We're three year olds. That's what it is. <laughs> we are. We are just three year olds. You know. So I want a cookie with breakfast. <laughs> Why can't I have a cookie with breakfast? Because I said so. Yeah. Yeah, that doesn't always Sometimes work. Heavenly Father has to just say, Because I said so. Yeah. Don't make me explain it to you. Because you won't understand. You are three. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. You have no idea yeah. how not good for you. Yeah, this is just, just no, you know. That's You're not going to bring fire on the boat. It's just, we're not going to do it. <laughs> That's yeah. right. Um, so you're back in Vegas. Is that where we are in the story now? I, it's hard to say. It's hard to say. Yeah. Cause, <laughs> well, I went place. to Colorado okay. and then I came back to Vegas. Okay. And so undergrad in Colorado, back to Vegas for physical therapy school. Okay. Three years of physical therapy school. And um, I got my first job right out of PT school was my last. You do affiliation, so you spend about a year going off and working in various places, okay. and you get your experience that way. And then by the time you're done, you're ready to go into the workforce. And so I found a small hospital in Las Vegas where I had a really great experience for my, my clinical rotation. I was there for three months, mm -hmm. and I stayed. Um, I, I, that's where I was right before I came here. I loved working there, and I got to do – ICU rounds because I was the intensive care physical therapist with okay. this speech therapist named Tara Hansen, mm. um, who was just the most beautiful person I've ever known. And the only thing that kept me from saying anything to her was, well, like, I have to join a church if I want to date her, um, which, you know, Is that this one. something that was just kind of uh, something that you'd assumed or something you'd been told or? Well, I knew where she stood because she's very open about it. And okay. we immediately became friends. Okay. We would go to lunch and we would flirt during IC rounds. You know, it was, we spent a lot, we worked in the same office because uh -huh. we're both part of, as she's speech therapy and physical therapy, we work in the same office and, you know, it just, I had been such a, 
you know, I just, it was in my head that to date her. And I think what I knew deep down was that if I were, if we ever should date, that it was going to be a significant relationship. And I couldn't be the kind of dirtbag that would date a girl and then just stubbornly not be willing to understand who she is, what she needs, and right. not give that to her. And so right. it took me a while to come around. So where were you from a religious standpoint? Did you, were you religious at any point in your life or were you just kind of? So my dad was Jewish. Okay. Mom's Catholic. Okay. So I would tell people I celebrate both guilt and hell. <laughs> I tell them. Uh, and I was going to Christmas and Hanukkah, but yeah, it's almost the same. Um, um And so really they, they were nice and they left it up to me. They said, okay, you know, you go find your faith however it is. And my dad was mostly agnostic and my mom still Catholic, but not like super Catholic. You know, I get their degrees of Catholicism that you are. Yeah. I don't even think she goes on high holidays. She just... She has her faith, and she believes that from where she is. Okay. Um, and so I had always hung out with Christian mm. groups, and so Christian bands in high school that I would go and hang out with. And um, so it was never a question to me whether Jesus Christ existed, because it really shouldn't be a question, right? right. We have time named after him. Yeah. You know, he's the single most famous person to ever live. And so when you talk about things that are – it's really – it doesn't feel like it's a circumstantial thing at all. It It, it is – a fact that Jesus Christ lived and that this happened. Right. Then, then where it goes from there. And so it was the not knowing really anything about the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Mm -hmm. And as I started dating her and I knew, okay, we're going to date, we're probably going to fall in love. Yeah. Now I have to decide whether we can have kids. And if right. we have kids, I have to be okay with them being a part of this church. Yeah. And so I would look at, okay – well, what do kids get that are members of the church? They get all kinds of cool stuff. Mm -hmm. Like in it, they get values and they stay away from things that you should stay away from and their support yeah. systems. And I was like, okay, cool. I can be, I can get on board with this. Yeah. And so then we got married. Okay. And so. So what kind of uh, reaction did you get from your family who um, sees you marry, marrying this girl who's clearly religious and from her family where you're an outsider? Yeah. Um, I laugh because we, we were married, um, and you know, at our at our age, we just we just wanted to get married. Okay, and we had we had such a good time with it, and we felt great, and we didn't really want to, you know, we didn't want outside influences telling us anything. And so, in this case, it was just that it was like mm -hmm. my mom and my family and my friends telling me, "What are you doing?" You know, uh -huh. and then her family saying, "You know, like, oh, well, what are you doing?" But right. They shocked us, you know, on both sides of it. They were just so supportive. That's awesome. You know, they were really cool about it. You know, my mom only punched me because she wanted a bigger <laughs> wedding, you know. Okay. And, I, you know, and it was nice because when we were sealed, she came, uh -huh. you know, and she came to the to the Las Vegas temple and she was able to stand in the foyer and she came for pictures and right. stuff like that. And that was kind of the closest to the big wedding we had. But Darren and I didn't really want a big wedding. Yeah. And it was the most brilliant decision we'd ever made. You know, it was one of those things where we were able to celebrate each other and go to the temple, and it was yeah. it was simply beautiful and perfect, and that was it was very much us. That's cool. So, how long were you? Um, had you been married when you went to the temple? So we were married December fourteenth or December nineteenth. Her birthday is the fourteenth. Okay. I had to get out of December with our holidays, man. <laughs> They're all in December. So married on December nineteenth. And then I was baptized the following year on September 1st. Okay. Then 
um, we were sealed on September 7th the next year. Okay, so married yeah. about almost two years. Yeah, and so my son was born that March of 2019. Okay. And so he came in was sealed with us, That's which was experience. really special. Yeah, his little hand on uh-huh. our hands. That's just yeah, such a great a great experience that he won't remember. But he'll never remember. But we have remember. pictures, which was nice because I had a buddy who actually went with me for my endowment. Uh-huh. He was the one that came through with me. And he's just a wonderful photographer, and he put together this book of the whole day. Oh, that's it's really awesome. cool. Yeah, and he he was looking the, the cutest he'll ever be was that day, I think. And then, you know, the angst came. And yeah. once they hit 15, 16, 17, that for sure. Yeah, it's just a down. It's downhill from there. You know, he's still awfully cute. The kids are, that's the saving grace is that they're awfully cute. That's yeah. why we keep them. That's why they're yeah. cute is so that you do keep them. Yeah. Because there are days that you think, why? I know. <laughs> it's wonderful. So what yeah. got you to thinking that you might be interested in, in at least checking out, out this church? So I needed to know where Tara was coming from, and I needed to understand more about the church. So she had a couple of missionaries that were were stopping by to kind of check on her. She had just moved into an apartment that was near the hospital, so she was by herself. She was living with her sister. And, you know, I was like, well, I'm can I come and talk to the missionaries? And she was like, they're going to try and baptize you. Are you okay with that? And I was like, bring it on. Let's go. Okay. Let's go see what this is about. And... This really, really great set of missionaries, Elder Brinkerhoff and uh, Elder Law, were just, you know, these kids, one was from Kentucky, one was from Utah, and we just had a really nice open conversation where I could sit down and go, okay, what makes this church different from a Christian church? Mm-hmm. You know, like, why is this the most true church? And simply putting it in a way where it was like, our church has got a little bit more context. Yeah. And that's something that I think everybody, if you're just a rational person, context is everything. Yeah. You know, and what some of my problems, I think, with with, uh, the other Christian denominations was that they were all kind of off the same book. Mm -hmm. And so I I went to the Nazarene church for quite a while with a girl that I was dating. Okay. And one of this beautiful, you know, she was probably in high school, you know, she got a... A scholarship to the San Francisco Ballet Company, and so for their Christmas thing, they she got up and did this beautiful ballet mm. dance. There's nothing risque about this dance at all, and people got up and walked out wow. because a part of their faith was that dancing was a sin, and okay. so it was like footloose inside of this church, you know. And I was kind of, I was kind of like, well, why is that a problem? And yeah. then he, I went to a Central Christian church for all you know the big mega church mm-hmm. rock concert. Getting out of that place was like getting out of a rock concert too, because the parking was ridiculous, you know. And the context of of this church was so nice is that okay, well, we have another we have another book, mm-hmm. and this book is the same testimony and the same people that came from the time of the Old Testament and how they lived their lives here and how they were commanded to come to like Central America or you know maybe South America and parts of North America mm-hmm. and another testament of Jesus Christ and this offers a little bit more context so it makes something stronger yeah and it gives us a little bit more information about okay what's what's really going on and what's kind of been tampered with a little bit mm-hmm. and i thought that was fascinating so i was like tell me more you yeah. know and then they did and here we are so it was about 6 months that you were w- working with the missionaries yep okay i think so 
They were working. Yeah, they were working on me pretty hard. I wasn't really resisting too much. Yeah. The coffee was the hardest part. I loved coffee. But this kid, he, you know, he was so brilliant. Um, he just said, if you think that you're, you know, that coffee's too big of a thing for you to be able to give up, then maybe you're not comfortable enough. And I was like, you think coffee's bigger than me? <laughs> it's like, you think I can't quit coffee? Does he know you? Does he? Know- it's like he knew me. And I'm like, he was such like a rosy cheeked kid, you know, just uh-huh. the nicest kid ever. And he said it in a way where I was like, okay, I'll quit coffee today. <laughs> bigger than me. And I did. I was like, yeah, okay. Just to, you know, again, to prove that you could. Yeah. You know, exactly. Don't tell me what to do. Yeah. Like, coffee's not the thing that's going to keep me from eternal salvation. Right. Nor that it would anyway, but it was still just the, you know, the word of wisdom as a whole has, has always been kind of a, that was the biggest struggle for me, for my family. It was tithing. Okay. Which is pretty standard in most, yeah. most churches is tithing. And so I don't know why the LDS church had to be the, the big problem for them. And, so that's always been kind of a, you know, a big, a big deal, but they're finance people, you know, they just need to know where the money's going. <laughs> yeah. What's the yeah. evil thing that, that Russell M. Nelson is doing? Where are the, where are the missiles hidden in the mountain? You know, yeah. they're not, it's, you know. So, and your family supportive? They're very supportive. They're really yeah. nice. They, they, they came for all of my kids' baby blessings. And if I invite them, they come, uh-huh. they came for my baptism, you oh, know, nice. They will always, we will always support each other in our family. Um, whether they support the decision, I don't know. I don't think they're going to join the church anytime soon. Mm-hmm. Um, that doesn't mean I won't welcome them with open arms if they want to, sure. but they're, you know, they're supportive of us. They, they love Tara because how do you not? You know, right. She's the, she's the best thing I ever did was bring home Tara. They don't care. She could have been any church. She just <laughs> straightened me out. And so she's good. the best. Gave them grandkids. You know, yeah. it's. Yeah, she's gold forever for them. That's yeah. good. And my, my mom says the same thing that we like you, but we love Marcine. Exactly. That was the smart thing that we do. Is that right. you, <laughs> you know, choose somebody. That it takes the heat like. off a little bit if you if you bring home the right girl. Yeah. That's right. So it sounds like you uh, made a couple good choices in your life. I've made only a couple. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's good. So what uh, what got you thinking of leaving Vegas and coming to? You know, it, it's interesting because it was my daughter. I think ultimately it came out because Tara had always wanted to kind of get out of Vegas. Vegas was always kind of a home trap for both of us. Okay. And she's from Vegas also? Yeah. Well, she's from Twin Falls, Idaho. Okay. But her family moved down to Las Vegas. And so she had moved to Boston. She'd moved to Houston. And she'd come back to Vegas and she'd see her sister and stay with her parents. And it just felt like this, you know, sort of a trap where like you're comfortable here. We don't really love everything that's going on here, but it's comfortable here. The cost right. of living was low. Things were cheap. And then it started to kind of pile on and get a little bit out of control. And for some reason, I was okay with my sons. So the birth of my two sons, mm-hmm. of them, you know, as they start to get older and we look at things like preschool and all of my family on my side are all in the Clark County School District. And okay. so you start to hear the stories of how the schools are run and how the their mm-hmm. problems and you know, especially with, I mean, shoot, this generation has just gone through so much. And then I'm thinking, where am I, where do my kids need to be? And then yeah. the second I found out we were having a girl, it was like, can I have a girl and raise her in Las Vegas? I already had to explain to my son why the girl wasn't, wasn't wearing weird peacock or was wearing weird peacock clothes when we were down on the strip. And it was like, and Vegas is just such a, and you can't complain if you live there because it's part of the culture of Las Vegas is mm-hmm. the 
modesty isn't a thing. Right. You know, and you think your your poor kids having to grow up and it's just in your face all the time there. Mm-hmm. And I was like, you know, it, it, now it's time to think about going somewhere maybe a little bit smaller where the kids can have friends and they can go play on the street and we lived in a really nice area and we had helicopters flying by with you know shooting their lights into people's backyards we had someone murdered on our street there was a shootout with the police and this is a gated community in Summerlin in Las Vegas and so we were really like okay I think things were starting to say let's go somewhere and Mm -hmm. so we we both did a lot of separate praying and a lot of praying together about whether it was time for us to go or look for something okay and Man, the I just started really what it was is in the morning I would I would look at, okay, I want to look for a place that's a great place to raise kids that has a decent cost of living. Mm-hmm. And Indiana came up. And Carmel, Indiana was the one that came up first. Mm-hmm. And so I started looking at Carmel and then I was looking at Fishers and then I was looking at um, Brownsburg and you were looking at Avon and these places that just Plainfield and all these small towns outside of Indianapolis that have wonderful school districts Mm -hmm. that have a really nice cost of living. And everyone talks about the quality of life and Fishers and Carmel both ended up on like, you know, top 10 place to live in the country for money magazine or something like that. And so we just, I just started praying about Indiana, praying about Fishers. Tara had, um, I don't remember what had happened, but she had, something had happened where she had a really hard day and she was like, okay, I'm ready to go. I think I'm ready to move. Uh-huh. I think Vegas isn't for me anymore. And right. so I put in an application for Indiana University Health. Um, I'm a wound care specialist as a physical therapist, okay. which is really weird, which is another podcast yeah, um, that people won't want to listen to <laughs> we'll because it's, it's super gross um, and I love it. And they have a really great program here at Indiana University. And so I put in an application and they called me back and I did two interviews and we had kind of waffled back and forth on whether it was time to go. Mm -hmm. And the interview, I was like, I I would walk out and I was like, we have to move to Indiana. I have to work here. Mm -hmm. And it happened. It just, we walked, we came here to visit so I could do a half day. Mm -hmm. The house we live in now that this was like September 1st, we walked in on a whim looking at Redfin and we were like, Oh, we wish we could have this house. Well, it's been on the market for a while. Why don't you ask him if you can do contingency? So we did. Mm-hmm. They took it. Our house sold in seven hours wow. in Las Vegas. And then we bought that house. And so everything just sort of worked. Nice. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. So, um, I'm curious, what got you interested in wound, wound care? Oh man. It's, so wound care, believe it or not, and I blame the American Physical Therapy Association because not enough people – like there's no physical therapist on Grey's Anatomy. You know, We don't get enough play for what physical therapy does mm-hmm. and who knows that wound care is a part – but it has been a part of, of uh, physical therapy since World War II. Okay. Um, and so I didn't know this when I went into PT school. But a part of our curriculum is w- learning wound care and so – you pretty much become a it's like a it's like a superpower that nobody cares about uh-huh. when you can name every bone in the human body and like nerves and stuff it's like oh, i'm an i've studied anatomy for so many years now quiz me and people are like i don't care you know it's like okay <laughs> that's fine. right big deal yeah big deal you know can you spin this on your finger for 10 you know <laughs> um and i did a rotation with it which is where i ended up working mm-hmm. in wound care and so i 
I loved it. And so I became the wound care guy on Saturdays until I ultimately took over as the lead for wound care. And I, I was certified in wound care and in ostomy care. Okay. Um, ostomy is when you have a part of your intestine rerouted outside of your stomach so that you go, basically you'll either poop in a bag or urine at the same time without getting too gross. Um, and I would help these people manage and place the pouches and learn about them. Right. And that became my job every day. And so it's, it was, it's incredibly rewarding and it's a little puzzle. And if you do the right thing, they, it works. Right. And it's really exciting. So was that in Vegas or was that here? That was Vegas. Okay. And so that's how I got here is because they, um, I was one nerd at a hospital, Mm -hmm. one lonely, lonely nerd, you know, (laughs) uh, would see a picture of a wound and look over at my buddy and say, look at this. And like, I don't want to see that, Brian. Right. And now I'm in a room with like 30 other people where I'm like, hey, look at this. And 29 of them come over <laughs> and they're like, whoa. That's cool. Yeah. yeah. And so I just, I found my people. Yeah. And they all, they all live here. And the, at the Comprehensive Wound Care Center at, at IU Health Methodist, it's, it's one of a kind. It's, it's one out of everywhere. And so I, when I was explaining to my mom why I was taking her grandbabies from her, mm-hmm. I had to explain that this, this is this is where it is. Like yeah. this is this is a a unicorn. I found it. So what has that done for your understanding or your testimony of the divine nature of our bodies? If anything, that so number one, physically our bodies are really really sturdy, mm-hmm. and I know that we see sickness and affliction, and we see pain, and we see horrible things yeah. but i have seen so many horrible things happen and people survive uh-huh. and the body will heal itself yeah that is not a i mean i don't understand how anyone can think that that is coincidence that that was evolution over time it's incredible it's what incredible the what the body can do um and it's incredible how there are things that can heal your body mm-hmm. that are not it's not special it's not amazing chemicals that were produced that we did in a lab most of the time it's something that the body needs as a normal element yeah you need hydration you Uh need temperature you need silver silver and honey are two of the most important things for wound healing that we use and it's honey and silver you know it's we're not talking about crazy things there's a couple of things that that are unique that are on the market but the body is is really an impressive thing that is not it's just not a chance you know, yeah. combination of evolutionary. And I've gotten into this conversation with my, my, my stepbrother, who I love dearly, uh-huh. who just says, this is cause, cause and reaction. Right. So that's all that happens. I'm like, mm, this is a little too too impressive for this to just be we reacted to it. I don't think our species would have survived yeah. if it was just bent on reacting because so many things try to kill you uh-huh. and you survive. Right. We survived COVID in ways that people don't really understand how many people survived COVID. Yeah. We think of the numbers of people that died, but so many people survived COVID. I didn't think they were going to survive, uh-huh. but you just, it's hard to kill the body. Wow. That's, yeah. that's incredible. It's really incredible. I also learned, and this was, this was important. This was part of me um, finding my faith is that there, there were basically in a nutshell, there were two types of people that met the end because we all meet the end. Mm-hmm. And when you work with people, like when I was just a regular physical therapist in the intensive care unit, there were people that knew where they were going, that had faith, that were able to peacefully transition, even though they were scared, even though there was was this 
you know, this fear of the unknown, there was a, there was a peace to them. And then there were those that had no idea mm -hmm. or were afraid. And I would watch that. I would watch that moment. Uh -huh. And I knew I needed something. I needed to figure out something towards the okay. end, like something to hold on to. It's so important to, I think faith is such an important part of living and it's really going to come in handy as we get older, as it gets yeah. harder, as we, we understand who we are, where we're going and what yeah. the plan is. It can be less frightening because it doesn't have to be, and it's not supposed to be. Yeah. I think that that makes a big difference as we understand our, our relationship with God or his relationship with us, who we are to him, um, has, I think that makes a big, it can make a very big difference for a lot of things in a lot of different ways. It makes so, the, yeah, it does. It makes the biggest difference. Yeah. It really does. And that's what I like about our church is that our church is about our relationship with Heavenly Father. Yeah. Not our relationship with, you know, I thought it was funny. I told Tara, I was like, where's the, where's the preacher? Uh -huh. You know, where is he? Where's the, where's the professional person that's yeah. here to tell us. And they're person like, no. who's studied and yeah. graduated yeah. and certified. Yeah. We're, and she's like, no, we just, this is the people. Like the bishop's got a job. Yeah. The bishop's got a job? <laughs> what do you mean the bishop's got a job? You right. know? It's like. He's got plenty to do. It, oh my gosh. Outside of. Outside of just being the bishop, you know, right. they're, they're still working and shoot our bishop's a physician. Right. <laughs> like, and he's, he's busy. Got he's got yeah. things going on. You know, it's, um, and so it's just this mix of imperfect people all following the straight and narrow path as best as we can yeah. as we look out for one another and we we work through it and not only does it work it has built like the string of some of the most beautiful like the temples and the the faith and conference just some of the most beautiful things i've ever had the privilege of seeing and i don't think i don't think imperfect people can do that without some guidance like it right. just it's hard to convince me that it's all a lie that it was all that Joseph Smith did it for fun right. or for personal gain or for, you know, for fame. That dude wasn't famous. That dude suffered, you know, and That's right. Yeah. Only an insane person would, would go through all of this, you know, unless maybe, maybe he's telling the truth. Maybe it's true. Yeah. yeah. And doesn't that make more sense? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, three kids, right? Three. Okay. That changed. You guys are now outnumbered. We are outnumbered. We are we are officially on the zone defense. That's what I tell people. We went man to man went to the zone. So that changes your life just a little bit. A little bit. And um, how has the so you've been here for a couple of months ish? Mm -hmm. um, how's it been? How's the transition been for kids and for work? And we did it at the right age. I think we did it at the right age because man, our like Tommy and Bradley, our three year old and two year old, uh -huh. love everything about where we are. Nice. We upgraded the house, mm -hmm. so we've got a big backyard that they can go play in. We have a basement that I built a little cardboard city uh -huh. in that they can play in. They can ride their tricycles around. It's unfinished, and so it's just have fun down there. Yeah. Bounce off the walls. Um, and we set it up pretty early on that anytime they lost a toy, we we're like, well, it's probably waiting for you in Indiana. <laughs> And so Indiana became this magical place where all their toys were. And they I don't remember that we haven't found some of those toys still. <laughs> They'll be traumatized for yeah. sure. But but they, you know, even my three year old has looked at me and, and he said, He's like, I love it. I love Indiana. I love it here. Oh, good. And he loves church. Uh -huh. Um we we were really nervous about leaving our ward because it that's where he learned nursery and these habits yeah. and he had friends as much as a three year old has friends. Right. 
And it has just been such a magical transition to this ward. Um, everybody is so right friendly. Now. What's that? He's a sunbeam right now. No, he'll be a sunbeam. Okay. I think next year. Probably. And he is going to hate that. He <laughs> loves nursery. Nursery's great. He would ask for nursery, you know, like the first song I'd be done. And he's like, is it time for nursery? And he's like, dude, we got like 50 minutes, <laughs> man. You need to, yeah, you need to relax a little bit. Um, but it was always nice because he's always, for some reason, within earshot of whoever's in nursery. Uh-huh. And so he quickly knows how to brown nose himself into a favorite. Nice. Um, my kid is going to get far with, just with charm, I think. Yeah. I hope he keeps that up. Well, that's good. Cause yeah. We've got some great people in nursery that are easily it's charmed. Amazing. Yes. Yeah, they're wonderful. Um, man, I mean, it's it's really been such a cool transition. This ward is just so cool. We were really, really nervous, and we are very silly for thinking that we love this word we like i said we before we started recording that was explaining that we've lived here for 25 years in this house and we've been in the fishers well noblesville ward first and then fishers ward fishers first first fishers second and then three different stakes but the north stake twice and we (laughs) and we loved them all but we love the fishers second ward it's it's been uh there have been some really great uh connections that we've made here um that for me personally, for some of my kids as well, that that it's been really meaningful. It's been a great ward for us as well. So we're yeah, glad that you. Oh, we're like happy it to also. be here. Yeah, we just we Tara and I were talking on the way home. We're like, we just don't want to mess this up. Like, we're <laughs> gonna have to make sure. Like, we can't even do chocolate cake. Oh, we got to find something different. You know, we have to make. <laughs> That's fine. We have to like live up to the expect. Yeah, you know, we really want to make sure that that we're we're helping out because it's just been it's just been so overwhelmingly fun and wonderful and so we're we're excited every sunday to see everybody yeah yeah great great people great what a great uh, bunch of people yeah yeah. so anything else what else does the ward need to know about the silverman family um you know i i i don't think we're that interesting we both have definitely um we've had some interesting lives and my my wife is wonderful and we'll get she her just on. yeah oh yeah she cannot wait to come on the podcast let me tell you like <laughs> public speaking and podcasts yes she's up there huh she's up there yeah I've got and some, she really some people on the list that yeah are like that <laughs> yeah she's gonna kill me when she hears this um, but she really like she can edit this out okay. I won't but I could yeah oh yeah yeah no it's okay I'm she, she knows she knows who she married she knows what That's she got right. herself into um, yeah you know we're just we're we're welcoming, like we just. There's really no. I think the one thing about us is very hard to offend us. Well, and so we're now for some people that might be an open challenge. Yeah, bring it on. So bring it on. Um, yeah, and we're just we're happy to be here. Um, we both have really interesting stories. I helped my wife get ready to, to hike Machu Picchu when we were before we were dating uh-huh. when she was dating somebody else and she really wanted me to go with her and I almost did and I probably should have. Um, and so. You meet her, and she just has these little nuggets of like these. She worked at an orphanage in Romania. Cool. You know, she's hiking Machu Picchu, and she hates hiking. Mm-hmm. You know, and I don't think she. I mean, she loved her time in Romania, uh, awesome. but she's just, she's just the neatest person. She's just the most wonderful person I've ever had. And I have to work every day to make sure that she wants to stay with me. I just want to make sure that like, <laughs> that's right. Keep that, uh, that dream yeah. I don't want to become living on that couch. If I have to come over and be that's like, right. can I stay on your couch? <laughs> well, it's comfortable. Yeah, it looks comfortable. It's... It'll never leave the room. We it figured out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we call that the COVID couch. Oh, perfect. When I had COVID. 
That's I where you had to, to isolate. Relocated to. Yeah. Ugh. So. Post COVID world. Yeah. That's rough. Well, um, it's been fun. Just getting to know it has been chatting. fun. I hope I didn't ramble. No. That's I'm a rambler. I yeah, we added all the rambling out. So okay, good. good. No, we're good. good. Fine. Very good. Um okay. so if you would just wrap up, share a nugget or two of your testimony, some things that have been meaningful for you in your life. Yeah, the most meaningful thing that I've I've had in my life is that having the trust in reading the gospel in order to get closer to heavenly father. And I will tell you, this is a, I loved literature. Honestly, it's one of those things where like an undergrad, when your kid comes to you and says, I want to be an art history major, or I want to be a literature major. And uh-huh. you die a little inside and you go, Oh no, right. no, please pick something that you can sustain yourself on. Right. I very easily could have just gone all the way to PhD on literature. And I stand here firmly on the, on the camp of that Shakespeare and, and Dickens, I can't understand it. I don't want to read it. Shakespeare was meant to be watched and not read. Right. And Dickens, as beautiful as it is, it's just hard for me to read. And so when it came to reading scripture, I'm, I always take it as a, like, I need to understand what I'm reading. Mm-hmm. And I can't quite figure out what they're saying because you're reading an interpretation from another dialect, slang, another language, other people, other people's interpretations of other things. Right. And in my head, it becomes scrambled. But a challenge to me when I was becoming a member of the church and learning was to accept reading the the gospel as not – you study the gospel and you do the best that you can, and there are plenty of resources to study. This is a good plug for like the the topical guide uh, books. Love them. Um, It really helps me kind of solidify where I am. But sometimes you're reading just to get closer to Heavenly Father and understand who he is and Mm -hmm. to accept things like personal revelation and feeling the spirit – and, you know, to to me, it, the most important thing that I've learned is to tell my mind to be quiet and to just read. Okay. And just read and put yourself in a position so that you can hear the, the ghost speak to you. You hear the Holy Ghost speak to you. You hear Heavenly Father. And it's not like he's talking to me, but I feel like that's how I got here. Okay. That's how I got to Indiana. That's how I, I got to Tara. That's how we got our children. This mm-hmm. is how we make decisions. And it's been a blast. And if I keep doing that, I know it's not always going to be sunshine and roses. We're here to you know suffer a little bit, and the suffering will come. Yeah. But we might be able to get through it a little bit better. And so I just feel like as hard as it is for me to read the scriptures in the way that I normally read, mm-hmm. It's been so beneficial just to read it, even just audio, just let it go. I vacuumed the Book of Mormon, you know, and I'm maybe not reading it the way I'm supposed to, like a college student reads. Mm -hmm. If college students still read, I don't know how it is anymore. But it's definitely this little nugget that I think changed the way that I was able to accept this gospel and understand how Heavenly Father speaks to us. Mm -hmm. Because we pray to him, he speaks to us through scripture. Right. That's neat. Yeah. Well, because it's hard. It's hard to understand. What? Yeah. Are you saying? Sometimes, yeah. yeah. I gotta look this up. Yeah. Yeah. And and one of the things that I've found is as I slow down, as I read, um, and really, uh, there are things. Was it Elijah? Because it's tough. Yeah. yeah. Some of that is. (laughs) (laughs) I just look at the words, but um, but some of it is I as I. 
think about there, and there are a couple of perspectives that number one, what would it have been like to be there? That really opens up my mind. Another one is what, what is the Lord trying to teach us? And so as I've, I've looked at, um, in fact, one of the things that I've been thinking about is, is what does it mean to develop faith in the Lord? And, um, sometimes I'll just get these phrases and I'll just think about them. I'll ponder and try to figure out, you know, even word by word, what is, what does that mean? And that's where I think a lot of times the spirit can speak to us and teach us, help clarify some of the things that, that we are trying to understand. So. Exactly. Exactly. I couldn't agree with you more. Well, thanks. You can tell my wife that. that He's right. <laughs> I said something right. Hey. But uh, it has been an absolute blast. Thanks for having me. This is you. fun. And, this, is, uh, this is really cool. Sorry for anyone that listened, if, it, if you're still awake. <laughs> if you needed to set an alarm to okay. wake you up. Okay, funny story. Okay. I was, <laughs> I've heard this now twice in like the last two weeks. Um, I shouldn't say it's Marsha French. So I won't. I'll just say somebody came to me. <laughs> somebody came to me today and was having a hard time. Random speaking. person. That's a random yeah. person and was listening to a podcast with my voice on it and um, was able to go <laughs> to fall asleep. And Marcin says she likes to have me tell her stories because that puts her to sleep. So um, use this podcast for what? There is a career <laughs> for you in smooth jazz radio, is what he's <laughs> saying. Right. Yeah. It's been nice talking to you. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for listening. We'll have another uh, another member of the ward on soon. And until then, um, Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays, and etc. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Fisher Second Ward Podcast. Please share it with members of the ward or others who you think might be interested or might be enriched and blessed by listening to our stories. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you again next week.